If you have a copy of God's Word, why don't you find the book of Isaiah? We're going to be in Isaiah tonight. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. If you're new to the Bible, if you can find the book of Psalms, it's usually right in the middle of your Bible. Or if you're on your device, I want to invite you to check out um, an app called the YouVersion Bible app. And the YouVersion Bible app is one of the most popular apps for the Bible. And actually, most of my notes are on the YouVersion Bible app. And so some of you may not know this, uh, but you can go down the bottom right-hand part of your screen and hit the More button, and then you'll find Events. So when you tap events, you'll see paradigm pop up on events, and then you can follow along. We're really going to be all over the map tonight in God's Word, and so I encourage you, if you do have a, a smartphone, that you would download that app, and that you would follow along on that, because we're going to be all over the place, but we'll mainly land in Isaiah. Well, um, as you're finding that, we are in week two of the Power and Light series. This is our Christmas series, and last week we had the opportunity just to see how this great power God of the universe, how he came and he spent um, a season with us, and he came in the form of Jesus. And one of my highlights of last week was that we just um, exposed this reality, really, that there is power in weakness, that, that in the kingdom of God, in, in the economy of God, uh, we find this, this amazing kind of backwards truth that his power is made perfect in our weakness, that people will be impressed with what you know. They'll be impressed with how smart you are, how good-looking you are, how much money you got, all that. It's not a bad thing, but they'll connect with you through your weakness. And so God came in the form of a weakness, or he came in the form of a baby, and babies are weak, and so this power came so that we could connect with him. And it's so awesome. And so we're continuing that conversation uh, tonight. Well, uh, before we get into God's word, have you ever been stuck in between a rock and a hard place? You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a saying that means you in a bind, all right? Um, I was talking with my brother-in-law this last week, and he literally was stuck in between a rock and a hard place. And he made the decision to go with a group of people to go spelunking. If you don't know what spelunking is, it's, it's when you get in a cave and you climb around. And you literally are stuck in between rocks and hard places. And you have these little headlamps. Well, they went with a particular group, and there was a particular person that probably exceeded the size limit for the particular cave that they were in. And uh, so they got stuck. And what was supposed to be about an hour journey through these caves and a lot of fun in the dark and that sort of thing uh, turned into a little bit of a, a crisis for them. And so they get stuck, and he says that they're stuck for so long that they have to cut off all their headlamps to, to preserve light. And uh, they're thinking, how are we going to get this person out of this situation so that we can all get out of this situation as well? And so they needed like some, you know, um, some sort of something like a, like a human laxative or something to unplug this. And uh, anyway, sorry, that was gross. And so they needed something to get them out. And, and what happened was as they were remaining in the darkness, like people had to urinate on themselves. I mean, it was getting bad. And then you had all sorts of emotions. You know, some of you, just put yourself in that story. You'd be thinking, how would you be responding, right? Some of you'd be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, claustrophobic, right? And you're like, I would have never even got myself in that situation. Others of you, you would have been like, um, you know, it's, it's over, or I'm hopeless, you know, you're figuring out who you're gonna eat first and that sort of thing. And, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then if you were like my brother-in-law, who is, he's very smart, uh, he usually can get himself out of situations. He's, he's very calculated, uh, but he's towards the back, but, and he just gets angry, right? He's like, why can't we get out of this? And he's stuck in between a rock and a hard place, and ultimately they were existing in a place of darkness. And I start there tonight because that's a picture of a lot of your lives tonight. Like you may be in a dark season, something may have happened in your life, and you may be a little bit frustrated 
Some of you may be scared. And others of you may be that person that's just, you just feel stuck. And you don't know exactly how are you going to get out of this situation. You know, maybe they found out what was going on. Or maybe the, the test came back positive. Or you didn't make the grade that you hoped to make in finals week. Or maybe as you're looking at your, your budget for the year and as you're looking at your numbers for this month, you're just like, man, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. And that maybe some of you have come in here tonight and, and you are literally stuck in a dark place. And darkness is something that we all know about, right? Like darkness is something that is not new to our world. Like when we look around, there's something broken in our world. Like there's no denying that. And, and so we look around and we see that the world is falling apart. And, and so it, it doesn't really even surprise us when we hear about mass shootings anymore, does it? I mean, four out of the five worst mass shootings in the last five decades have taken place this year. And so we see news stories where young adults are holding each other like at a thousand oaks. And this is kind of part of the normal narrative in our society today. And people were just out having a good time and then somebody decided to do something crazy with the liberty that's been given to them and, and they opened up fire and people died and people's worlds were wrecked and darkness invades again. Or maybe you hear the news of, of these incredible fires that have been taking place, I mean, even still going on today. And so the worst fire in California state's history is taking place right now. And so we see photos like this of this boy whose home was decimated and now he's just a young boy kicking around the ashes of what used to be his home. So darkness isn't just something that we see in, inside of humanity. It's something that we see inside of creation. And, and then we hear stories that are, that are a little bit off the wall about, about men of influence and men of power and men that are kind of like local hometown heroes like this guy right here. And we're like, what were you thinking, right? And we hear the news break that a few months ago, a guy that's been given everything I mean, he's been given the world, and he is so talented and so successful, and we probably bought his jersey, and I know that we've cheered him on this year because the brother's good at all. And, and he chose to abuse his fame, that there's an indirect correlation between fame and freedoms. And so he chose to act a fool, and we see that, that, that money and prestige and success and power oftentimes can bring out the worst in us. But what about you? What about your life? And I'm sure everyone in here, like we're all old enough to know that there's been seasons in our life, like, and maybe you're in one tonight where, where the darkness just seems to be pressing in on you and you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this thing. And what was it in your life that detonated the darkness in your life? I can look back, and some of y'all have heard my story, I can look back at a, a particular season, I was 12 years old, and, and it was like someone turned the darkness on in that season of my life, and, and my, it started with my dad coming to me on Mother's Day, and he's like, son, get ready for church, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? He says, I'm leaving. I'm like, you're leaving? Where are you going? You got a job somewhere? He's like, no, no, your mom doesn't want me here anymore. I'm leaving. And I remember in that moment, it just seemed like my world went into slow-mo. Y'all ever had that moment where it's like, is this a dream? What's going on? And what ensued from that day forward was not just a dark day, not just a little sprinkle, a little rainy day, a sad moment. It was a dark season. 
And what happened is that that darkness was detonated in my life and I wasn't able to turn off the dark. And so what I did is I began to look inward inside of my life and I began to medicate my midnight by acting upon the desires of my heart. And so like, like deep down in my heart, like at the baseline is a people pleaser. I want to fit in. I want people to, to like me and that sort of thing. And, and that's an okay thing, but there is a dark side to that. So much so that you'll lose your identity just to try to get someone's compliment or affirmation. And you'll change yourself and become a chameleon around whatever group that you're around. And so I began to look inward and medicate my midnight by, by following the desires of my heart and chasing vain pride so that if I was good on a field, that I was good at life. And if I was bad on a field, then what is life, you know? And the darkness that began to unfold in my life caused me to find myself stuck in that season. See, darkness is characterized by like an unfortunate series of events, that, that darkness, it can be characterized by chaos or loneliness or despair or stress or pain or just your own foolishness. And I wonder, are you in a dark place tonight or have you ever been in a dark place? And what you do with your darkness has the, has the power to determine your destiny. It has the power to dictate what will happen at your end and what you do with your darkness matters. And then when you're stuck in darkness, man, I wonder, where do you run to? Like, who do you call out to? Where do you look to begin to medicate your midnight? What do you do in the midst of your darkness? And so tonight, I've titled this message just simply Light. <laughs> light. And I want you to see that some of you, you may have come in here and, and you may be in a dark season, but biblically, and as we take a step back from our lives and we look at what God sees in us, that the reality from God's sight is that we are all in some form or fashion stuck in darkness. And I want you to see that Jesus is the light that breaks forth and busts out and eradicates and kicks darkness away in our life. And then before we leave, I want you to be able to have some, some handles and some principles on how you can walk in the light. And so if you have a copy of God's word, Isaiah chapter 8 is where we're going to be. Now, Isaiah is a, a, a guy that it, he was charged by God to speak on behalf of God. He's what's called a prophet. And so he gets paid to kind of do what, what I do, okay? And he stands up and he tells people about what God's word says. And Isaiah had this profound experience in Isaiah chapter 6 where there was this king. I mean, this guy had been like the, the president of the nation, the king of the nation for decades. Well, he dies. The nation's in a little bit of a crisis, and Isaiah has this vision of God. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and he was high and exalted and seated on the throne. And he said there was these, these angels or these burning ones that were crying out about God's character, and they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. And when Isaiah caught a vision or a glimpse of God's glory and God's holiness, it revealed something in Isaiah. It revealed his sinfulness, and he cried, woe is me. What that means is like calamity, California fires, tsunami, hurricanes be poured out upon me. He says, I'm ruined. And he realizes this great God that has called him 
to live and reflect his character. He says, man, I can't do this. And so God steps in and he changes Isaiah's life. And then he calls Isaiah from that place of brokenness to go and speak the word of God to the people. Now the people, they were wondering like, why isn't life working? You ever been there? You're like, I'm doing all the things I've done in the past. I mean, I've got all these things, but just something ain't working inside, right? I'm not experiencing joy. I'm not experiencing peace. And, and the people that Isaiah was preaching to, that was kind of what was going on. And so Isaiah says, well, well, there's some things that are going on in your life, and if you do not change them, it's not going to get better. The way we say it here is that you're only becoming more of who you are today. And some of you, you have come in here tonight, and you are in the roundabout of ridiculousness, and you keep trying to apply the same logic. You keep hitting your head on the same lamp every time you stand up. And maybe you need to change your location and quit being so frustrated about when you hit your head on that thing. And Isaiah's like, you've got to change before it's too late. And he says this in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 21. He says, they will pass through it hard-pressed and hungry. He says, they're, they're going to be in between a rock and a hard place. And it shall happen when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king and their God and look upward. Isn't that funny? Like they're mad because of their, their disobedience and now they're going to get mad at God. That, that the foolish one, he disobeys God and then shakes his fist at God. And that's what's happening here, that they are stuck in their darkness. Verse 22, then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Hey, if you're taking notes tonight, write this simple phrase down, stuck in darkness. Stuck in darkness. See, what the scripture tells us is that we were all born into darkness. We're all, we, we were all born like, like Bane, if you will. That little Batman reference, I don't know if I lost some of you, got some of you right there, okay? We were all born in darkness like Bane. And, and the darkness that we were born into, it, it, it's, it's this euphemism for chaos or for sin or for evil or for ignorance, that we were born into this darkness because of sin. See, God created this world, and he created it, says, and he said it was good. And when he created the world, he created it to have rhythm and beauty and harmony, and we see the glimmers of this glory still displayed throughout creation. But there's this darkness that has overtaken our world. And that darkness stepped in when we, when we chose to rebel against God and stiff-arm God's commandments in sin. And what happened is that we began to hide from God. And God came to us and said, hey, where are you? Where are you? And we were hiding in a dark place, rejecting God. And what happened when this darkness came into the world when we sinned, it, it flipped the switch on to the darkness. And sin sent creation into chaos, and it liberated slavery and captivity in humanity. And so it shouldn't be any surprise that we get stuck in the thing that we were born into. Paul, he picks up on this language of darkness, and he says it like this in Romans chapter 1 to the church at Rome. He wrote a letter. He says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so what Paul says is like the darkness that is so rampant inside of us, here's how it plays out practically. We take the things that God has given us. We take Andy's ice cream. We take Fortnite. We take video games, we take money, we take mountains, we take whatever. We take the things that God has given us and we say, God, we want your stuff, but we don't want anything to do with you. And so we relish in the creation all the while rejecting the creator. And he says, this is a sign of your foolish heart that has been darkened. 
And so Isaiah, what he says is he's like, man, you, you have been let out into darkness. You have been stuck in darkness. And, and what he does prior to that is he pinpoints that the people were looking to earth to find the solution to their darkness. That Isaiah, he exposes that they were looking to like mediums and wizards and like, you know, Chloe that reads the cards. And they were looking at all those things. And he says, listen, they don't have any light in them. That maybe one of the main reasons, if you come in here in a dark place tonight, maybe one of the main reasons why you are stuck in your darkness is that you're seeking light from all the wrong places. Again, when you are in your dark space, when you are in, stuck in darkness, where do you look to for help? Where do you run to to seek light, to seek reprieve? Where do you look to for help? Do you look in people? You call that, that guy up that you know is going to give you attention to make you feel pretty? just because you take your clothes off for them? Do you run to those people that know they're, they're going to hand you the joint or they're going to tell you to take the pill and you know that you're going to have a good time with them but the only time that you actually see them is when you're high? Or, or are you going to look to maybe a pill, maybe you're going to look to some sort of product that's going to make you feel better or maybe you'll run to a party where you can just kind of, you know, go to a, a place like downtown or Westport or Power and Light, and you can go and just kind of, you know, be a part of something that's, you know, it seems bigger than you, and you can kind of loosen up and have a good time, spend a little money, but really no one cares about you. Or do you look into yourself? You just try to be a better person, perform better, and be a better um, person that with morality, and if I'm nicer, then people will like me, and that will kind of help me get unstuck. Maybe you look to technology or education, or where do you run to try to medicate your midnight? And where do you run to try to pull yourself out of the darkness? Proverbs 4 says it like this. Proverbs 4:19 says, "The way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. That oftentimes we get into this cul-de-sac of stupidity where we're just going around, 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 and we don't even know how to get out of it, and we keep tripping over stuff, and we're the ones that are putting the things uh, in our pathway. And when you are stuck in total darkness, you have no idea what you're stumbling over. That maybe the reason you are stuck in darkness is because you're looking for light in all the wrong places. Listen, listen, you can't mine for light. You can't mine for light. Let me, uh, let, let me break that down real quick. Just think about it real quick. The more you dig in the ground, the darker it gets. Okay? You cannot dig holes in our earth and light break forth. You cannot mine for light. And isn't this the same spiritually? That the more you dig inside of your own heart, and the more you try to mine this world and its systems for fulfillment and satisfaction and light to get you out of your darkness, and the more you look to anything born of this world for light, the more disappointments you will have with darkness. And so again, you get in a dark spot and you call her up. You DM her. You snap her. You say, what's up, girl? It's me again. And, and you say, hey, let's come hang out. And you send, a, you, know, you send that emoji, you know, that one that y'all had back in the day. And you hope that it's going to, you know, go your way. And you say, come over. And you think a little five-second, ten-second, let's be real, a pleasure is going to give you some sort of fulfillment in the long run. 
and you keep looking at all of these things and you're trying to medicate your midnight and you keep, maybe you keep going back to work. You're like, I'm gonna put in OT, I'm gonna put in some overtime and I'm gonna get, um, you know, I'm gonna get more money and, and I'm gonna be, you know, like the best worker and, and I'm gonna find my identity and my job and my career and that somehow is supposed to bring me fulfillment and joy. It doesn't work. It should be no surprise that we find darkness in our lives. And so maybe for you it was a, a divorce that detonated the darkness in your life. Maybe it was a disease, something you never asked for, but you got diagnosed with something. Maybe it's just some dis dysfunction that's in your life. The more you think about the holidays, the more you think about going and hang out with your family, the more you wish you could adopt a new family. And maybe some of that dysfunction, let's just be honest, maybe some of that dysfunction is self-inflicted because you're the one that goes off. And you're the one that can't get along. Or maybe it's just a disappointment that set the darkness in your life. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd be further along. I thought I'd have more money by now. You find this disappointment that maybe it leads you to a place of despair. But listen, when we're in the dark, our pupils dilate. And biologically, and physiologically, and psychologically, and spiritually, we begin to be open to the light. And we want the light when we're in the dark. And we want the light to break through, break through in our life. And it's in the dark that we crave the light more than any other, any other time. And so Isaiah, he knows this. And so he's looking at his people and he says, you are stuck in darkness. But he goes on in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 and he says this, that the people who walked in darkness, they have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. It's 700 years later, a guy named John who walked with Jesus, who ate with Jesus, he saw Jesus crucified on a cross. He saw his best friend raised from the grave. He would pick up on this Isaiah language and he would say this about Jesus, that that light that has shined, it is none other than Jesus Christ. Christ. And so John in chapter 1 verse 4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Not before, not now, not ever. And the light, excuse me, says in verse 9, and the true light that gives light to everyone was coming in the world. Point number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. See, Christmas is all about a light coming. It's all about a light springing forth. I mean, it's, it's all about a light dawning, not a light that springs from within. Notice that Isaiah, he says that, that, that they had darkness and a great light came and that light shined on them. Not that they were able to pull light from within themselves. Again, we do not mine for light and so God sent his son Jesus to be the light. And Jesus understood this language. And so it should be no surprise that he says in John 8, 12, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light. He was saying, I'm God. I am the light of the world. He says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light 
of life. And Christmas is the celebration of the light of the world coming to dispel the darkness. And the way that Jesus dominated and defeated the darkness is really baffling. Like no one would think of this plan. No one would think of this rescue mission. The way that Jesus took arms and the way that Jesus kicked sin and death in the teeth. No one would have thought of it this way. But Jesus, he came. The power of the universe wore pampers. The light of the world experienced the darkness of the womb. He can empathize with us in every way. That the light of the world didn't only experience the darkness of the womb, but the light of the world experienced the darkness of the tomb. That he was laid three days dead in a tomb. That he understands all of the aspects of our life that we may experience from life to death. But he didn't stay there. He came bursting forth and the light of the world showed his dominance over darkness and said the tyranny and, and the, the, the crazy of darkness will have no place over my people. I am the light of the world. I came on a rescue mission and you cannot overcome me. I will overcome the darkness because light always dispels darkness. And the darkness did not come from within, but the darkness was dawned. That Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived a life that you and I could never live. And he died a dark death. On his death date, darkness at, at, at the, like three o'clock in the afternoon, eclipsed. The darkness set in, Matthew tells us, over the day. The earth shaked. And Jesus was laid in a dark tomb. And then three days later, he resurrected to prove that he was the light. I wonder, does this even move you? Do you even care about this message? What have you done with this man and the work that he has demonstrated and the power that he has displayed? How has it captured your heart? See, the problem with God and with us is that no one can see God and live. Exodus 33, Moses writes down that no one can see God and live. And if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know God. And if you don't know Jesus, then you can't know God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the filter by which we understand God. Let, let me explain it this way. That, that the sun that we experience, you know, the big burning you know, star that's in our universe or our galaxy, I mean, that shines on our earth every day, hopefully more you know, then it's been kind of cold, but come on, son, you, you do you, right? It, I mean, it is the most glorious thing that we can experience. Like when you, you see it and, and the sun, it brings life. You got plants with photosynthesis. They somehow eat the sun rays. And then you got like the sun, it reveals truth. Like it reveals, it reveals the truth of your beauty. It reveals the truth of like what kind of color car you got, color eyes you got. The sun, we need the sun to reveal all these things. And then the sun reveals beauty as well. Like if, if I didn't have the sun, I would just have to touch my wife's face and it would be nice to the touch, but it's nice to the look, all right? And so that's what the sun gives me. It gives me light so I can see her. I can see my little girls. I mean, I can see art. I can see color. And the sun provides all of these things. But you can't just go outside and be like, looking at the sun. I'm going to check you out. I'm going to study you, right? And so we had the privilege um, a few months ago to experience what's called the solar eclipse. I remember this, and so um, a couple of my buddies, Josiah and one of our young adults, Matt Hitson, that I get to, the privilege to work with, uh, we're all out in the parking lot. You see them there. They're just enjoying the, the solar eclipse. 
And, and listen, you had to get the right glasses. How many of y'all bought those cheap glasses, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get those cheap glasses. You burnt your retina. You're blind now, right? So you should have read the Amazon reviews, okay? I got, you know, Amazon. Anyway, they apologize. And so you got to get the right shades because, listen, in order for you to behold the glory of the sun, S-U-N, you got to have the proper lens. Jesus is the lens by which we behold the glory of God. That we get to see God, he is, we get to see God through Jesus. That Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That we can gaze at the glory of God through the man, Jesus. And Jesus, he says this in John 14, 9, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God. That if you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. If you want to know how God treats people, look to Jesus. If you want to know what makes God angry, what makes God cry, look at Jesus. Jesus is the perfect reflection of the living God. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. That the sun gives us life. The sun reveals truth, and the, sh the sun shows beauty. Likewise, Jesus, he gives us life, and life abundantly. Through him, you can have peace. You can have joy. You can get unstuck from your darkness. Through Jesus, he reveals truth. He'll tell you what to do with your money to maximize your joy with those material things. He'll tell you what to do in your relationships to maximize your joy with those people. He'll tell you what to do with your life so that you have purpose and you can be a part of the greatest movement, that through Jesus it reveals beauty. He'll tell you what modesty is. He'll tell you what, what valor is. He'll tell you how to be the man that you've been created to be, men. He'll tell you how to be the woman that you are created to be, woman, women. He'll tell you what it looks like and what it means to live a life of glory and of beauty, that Jesus is the greatest gift to humanity of all time. But he's a gift unlike other gifts. Tim Keller, he has a book called Hidden Christmas. I suggest you pick it up. And he says this in that book, Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. But there's never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. God made it clear that he wants you by sending his son, Jesus, to come and live the life that you should live, that you could never to die the death that you deserve to die and to dominate darkness by raising from the grave. God wants a relationship with you. But do you want him? Do you really crave God? Listen, don't miss this season without experiencing the greatest gift given to humanity. At the end of the day, why do you even celebrate Christmas? For the sales, the traditions, the decorations, the parties. And I just wonder sometimes if God just looks down upon all the shenanigans that we do over the season and just says, what are y'all doing? Y'all are missing it all for this, this madness. And don't miss the light of the world and don't miss the meaning for what God would see is madness. And so if you're stuck in darkness tonight, cry out to the light and ask God to save you. 
He longs to know you and to have a relationship with you. And once you are in the light, the Bible is overtly clear over and over and over that once you know Christ, that's not the end, that's just the beginning. You are at the starting line. That God has saved you so he could change you. He introduced you to the light so that you can now walk in the light. And so Paul, he picks up on this language in Ephesians 5, verse 8. He says, for you were once darkness. Not just stuck in darkness, you were darkness, all right? If sin is not something you do, it's something you are. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Point number three, and finally tonight, if you're taking notes, write this down. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. And so what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to give you a few principles of what it looks like practically to walk in the light. So walking in the light, Paul, he says that you were once darkness, now you are the light of the Lord, so walk as children of the light. And if you want to walk in the light, you simply walk with God and you walk for God. You walk with God and you walk for God. Let me explain. Here's how you walk with God. You, you abide with him. You, you abide in Jesus. John 15, 5 says, if, he says this, that I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And the fruit that he's talking about is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All right, that's the fruit he's talking about. And if you walk with Jesus, if you abide with Jesus, you'll bear much fruit. But the, the promise is here. here. Here it is. That apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of significance can be done apart from an abiding relationship with Jesus. God isn't concerned with what you do for him. He, he's concerned with how you spend time with him. It's not your activity that determines your identity in Christianity. It's the other way around. It's your identity that determines and drives your activity in Christianity. And so we start with abiding in Christ, abiding with Jesus. And so, so let me just kind of explain what that, then that word's not real common. Like, you know, when we were hanging out with you guys, I was like, hey, what, what'd you do over Thanksgiving? Like, you didn't, no one really told me. I just, I was abiding with my family. Like, that's not just a word we really throw out there. It's not, it's kind of more of a Bible word. But let me explain what that means. So in my house, I come home, I've got three little girls and a wife. And, and so um, oftentimes, like the two older girls are playing Barbies. They love, bar they call it Barbie land. It's kind of cute. Anyway, then the little baby, she was, Today we have like this rollout keyboard that you, you know, jump on and she's just running circles until she gets so dizzy she falls. And so, you know, that's where she's at, which is kind of like what I would do anyway. And so, anyway, so when we're, we're just kind of all over the place, my wife, she's, you know, doing wife things and just running the home. She's awesome. And so she's you know, like all this stuff. And then there's this particular time of the day. It's usually dinner time. We come to the table and we come to the table. Everyone is there and they are present and we're abiding with one another. Listen, abiding with Christ means that you have intentional time. You're not just in his proximity, you're in his presence. It's intentional time, not all day. You're not just like intentionally just reading the Bible all day, abiding with Jesus, but you come to the table and you spend time with the Father. That's what it means to abide with Christ. And so let me give you a challenge. This challenge was actually given to me by one of our team leaders, a young adult named Katie. And Katie, she's been faithfully serving you guys this year, and she just threw out a challenge to her team, like, hey, why don't we all commit to read the Gospel of Luke this month? Luke has 24 chapters, and I just challenge you, if you're not in God's Word and you want to walk in the light, you want to abide with Christ, get the Gospel of Luke, 24 chapters, read a chapter of day, you're four chapters behind, so you can get caught up sometime, and that'll lead you right into Christmas. And then once you get done with that, we're going to start on January 22nd, read the Gospel of John. There's about 
21 chapters in the Gospel of John, and so you can, lead, you can read the Gospel of John one chapter a day, and it'll run you right into the time that we kick off Paradigm for 2019. Get in God's Word. Listen, if you want to know God, you will not know God apart from His Word. That you cannot know the Son of God without knowing the Word of God. So abide with Jesus. That's what it looks like to walk in the light. The second thing you got to do is you got to fight, fight the holiday hustle. You know the holiday hustle? Just seems like, man, we got more Christmas parties, more cupcakes and peppermints and hot chocolate and pumpkin spice lattes to drink, more appointments this time of year. I mean, it can just get so busy this time of year, right? Some of y'all come from blended families and you still feel obligated to see your ex-stepmom, but even though your dad got remarried, it's just you connect with her better. And so you got to see like three families over the holidays and it's just crazy. And then you're driving out of town, but then you got to get back to town because you're trying to start something new with your deal. And you got that dog now and all this stuff. It's just crazy right? It's the holiday hustle. And then now you got to shop and you don't know if you should shop brick and mortar or online because you never really know what you're going to get when you send in the sign, you know, all that stuff, right? It's the holiday hustle. And don't forget that your life is so precious. The greatest commodity that you and I have is time. And so don't waste your time. James 4.14 says, your life is but a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. And so spend your time on what matters the most. And so a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were talking and we're like, man, we have overextended ourselves. We've committed to way too many things. And they're all good things. I don't think the majority of you are committing yourself to like selling heroin or something like that. I mean, it's all pretty good things. But what are the essential things that you should be giving your time to? Because if you commit yourself to a lot of good things, you'll never be great at anything. And you may just miss the main thing. And so don't get lost in the holiday hustle. Listen, this is something I'm having to learn, and you should learn it too. It's a two-letter word. It's really hard to say at times. When people call you up, they're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have such a great time. You should come. It's ugly sweater time, you know, and you're just like, okay, so here's what you got to do. No. 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 Because you better make sure that your yes is worth the less. Because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And every time you say yes to something, there's less of you for other things. So make sure that your yes is worth the less. And learn how to say no and fight the holiday hustle. The, the next thing, if you want to walk in the light, man, one of the things you need to do over this break time, because we're about to hit a break over the next couple of weeks, is you got to seek out community. you got to seek community. First uh, John 1, 7 says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so some of you, you're still like wavering whether or not you should sign up for a community group Get signed up so the next time we do Group Connect, you're ready to roll. Others of you are in community. You need to lean into your community. Because over the holidays, listen, it can be dark for people. And there may be something that's unforeseeable that's about to take place in someone in your life's life. Just, just today, one of Josiah's friends got a phone call, or Josiah got a phone call from one of his friends. And he said, my fiance's mom died. And this guy's just come to Christ, y'all. And he says, man, I can feel the love of the body of Christ, and there's still light in the midst of our darkness. 
Listen, you'll never be who God has created you to be apart from community. And that if we want to experience the power and the light of God functionally and practically, it will not take place apart from community. Just like that campfire that you make, when you pull one of the coals away from it, it burns out and it dies. But when it stays together with the other embers, it can be fanned up to action once again. And this is how we walk in the light. We walk in the light with one another. So we abide with Christ. We fight the holiday hustle. We seek community. And, and finally, we win the battle. We win the battle. If you want to walk in the light, man, you got to win the battle. It's the holidays. It's Christmas and New Year's time. And some of you are already playing in that party. And it's the holidays. And so often we, we give in to our cravings so often in the holidays. And we think that somehow this is the time where we can indulge a little bit. We're acting like Christmas is our birthday, not Jesus's. And so we eat a little bit too much. We drink a little bit too much. We get a little bit of time on our hands, so we call her or call him. And we need to win the battle. We need to walk in the light. And Christ has called us to be the light of the world and reflect him. So win the battle over the holidays. Paul said like this in Ephesians 5, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That resistance is always the Christian response to darkness. That Paul says in 1 Corinthians, whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do it for the glory of God. And this is not the time for us to sin against God. This is the time for us to celebrate the Son of God. And so often Christmas is the time that we give in. And how crazy is that? That the way that we usher in the birth of our newborn king is by sinning against him. And so let us be people who walk in the light. See, Christmas is all about Jesus coming in a stable so that he can stabilize your life. It's the most wonderful time of the year, not because of who is with us, but because of who is for us. And some of you, the reason why you can't experience this and the reason why you can't walk in the light is because you're still stuck in the darkness. And listen, it is your pride that is keeping you from calling out to God to save you. And so my brother-in-law, he, he said they finally got that big person unstuck in that cave. And so they were like, oh, thank the Lord. But what they didn't realize is that they had been in there so long that the people that, that worked the cave had thought they had already passed through and so they had locked them in the cave. And so once they got unstuck, they got to the exit of the cave, and here's what they saw. <laughs> like, oh, no, we're about to die, right? <laughs> and so, like, they are in a cave, and they're having to hang their cell phone outside of this, these bars so that they can get some bars, right, cell phone bars. And they call somebody. They're like, we, we need some help, all right? We need somebody pronto. And so they had to call on someone outside of their darkness to come and release them from their cave. They could not get out on their own. That they had to humble themselves, ask for help. And some of you, you may be able to slide through a dark season. You may be able to get unstuck. But ultimately what the gospel tells us is that you will never be able to, re be able to release yourself from your captivity. That the message of Christmas is that we are so lost, so stuck in our darkness that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. 
And what this means is that you're not someone who could pull up their bootstraps. You're not someone who could, by your good works and by your religious deeds, get yourself out of this experience. And if you really want to experience the power of God and the light of the world, you have to call out for help. You have to admit that you're a sinner, that you need a rescuer, one who would come and set you free from your cave. And listen, Jesus is that name in which you should call out to, that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, that he can set you free from your darkness because he became darkness, that when he died on the cross, darkness literally fell over the land, that the light of the world descended into darkness in order to bring us into his beautiful light so that you can be a chosen generation. You can be people set apart for his pleasure and for his purpose, and you can sing praises to his name because he called you from darkness and into a marvelous light. And Jesus is calling some of you from your cave tonight. What are you waiting on? This is the most compelling story, the greatest relationship you could ever participate in. He's calling you out of your cave, out of your darkness, and into his marvelous light. So don't miss the meaning of Christmas. And don't miss the power and light. We're about to sing a song. It's an old song. It's a song I, I grew up singing. And this song, it, it captures really what we've been talking about the last two weeks. And in this song, it calls us to respond to the power and the light, the way that the wise men from the East responded, and that's to worship. Now, some of you may not know what worship means, what that word means, but worship is, for some of us, it's raising our voices and singing. For others of you, it may be quite worshipful just for you to sit down and to contemplate and to think about where you're at in your relationship with God. And others of you, maybe the most worshipful thing for you to do is to surrender your life over to Christ. And so I'm going to pray and, and we're going to sing this song as we transition and conclude the night. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for coming to us. If you do not come, we remain in darkness. Look, that group that got stuck in the cave, that would be our destiny forever. So God, we praise you for coming. Light of the world, you stepped out. You stepped down into darkness. You opened our eyes so that we could see God, I pray for my friends that you would help them. Some of them, that they would feel the weight of their darkness like never before. And you had given them an unceasing, an unwavering desire to cry out to you, Jesus, for salvation. God, for those of us who know you, help us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ. Help us to be image bearers of the living God and help us to be the light of the world that you called us to. In Christ's name I pray, amen.